If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Sasha. Not only is Sasha mum to a gorgeous, almost three-year-old daughter, Brooklyn, but she actually started her own business after becoming a mum so that she could enable the lifestyle that she always wanted for her family. So welcome to the podcast today. Sasha, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, good. So I think everyone would love to hear what journey you went on to decide to become a solo mum by choice. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think it's definitely great to, to be able to share my journey and to kind of listen to, to others on their journey and that have um, gone through it as well. Um, so certainly love what you're doing. I guess my journey, um, I kind of always had in my head that I would go and have a baby on my own if I didn't find Prince Charming, the, mm-hmm. the right guy um, by the time I was 30. And you know, I was living my life. I'd spent some time overseas and come back and kind of pushed out that that time frame yeah. and um it was at the age of 32 and I, I was actually I was actually dating a guy when I was 31 and we spent you know a good solid six months together and I really thought it was going somewhere and then just random conversation had he goes you know I don't want any more children I was like what? Uh, uh-oh yeah so it was just like okay well you know that then I kind of put it in perspective you know the time it's going to take to actually meet somebody I think, I think it's time that I go and, you know, speak to a fertility specialist, see what the story is and kind of make a plan from there. Yeah. And I'd actually gone in to, to see the fertility specialist and I thought he was just going to say, you've got plenty of time, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Not the case. Um, so at the particular time he suggested that I may have had endometriosis mm-hmm. and he didn't think that it was right to, I guess, send me down the journey of IVF without kind of addressing that situation first. Yeah. So I went in for the endometriosis surgery in September and sure enough found out that um, it was quite severe. Did you Um, think, were you aware that you had it before you'd gone to see him or had any inkling? I didn't even know what it was. Oh, okay. I did not even know what it was. Um, And I, 
when I soon found out what it was, I was like, oh, so that was like back in school when girls used to have days off or you'd be in it and people were like, oh, I'm, you know, it's that time of the month. I used to be like, what, you're having a day off for it? <laughs> like it never really was a thing. And I think it was sort of in the, the last couple of years before I went down this journey that I had actually come off the pill and noticed quite severe pain. So yeah. oh, the pill masks not, so much, doesn't it? Pill masks, it really does, yeah. yeah. So, when he told me, I was like, oh, I'm glad that there's a reason that I've been feeling like this and, and having that. Um, and he also did a, a dye study on my tubes as well. Mm-hmm. I found out that actually my tubes had formed blocked. So they were completely blocked. So even if I had been in a relationship and I had been trying to conceive, I wouldn't have actually been able to conceive naturally. Wow. So based upon those two facts, he's just like, there's no good a time as any. Yeah. And I've always wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to have a big family. That's That was never a new thing. That was not something that came with age. That was something I'd always wanted to do. So I was like, okay, well, let, let's do it. Let's let's start the journey. So, gosh, that was September. I started the injections in October mm-hmm. and did went through to the egg pickup. So you went straight to IVF. He didn't even, like, IUI was not even an option for you. He said couldn't do IUI, um, straight, went, went straight into that and obviously had chosen a donor and I thought my numbers were quite low in, in relation to, to egg pickup, but su- supposedly it's it's quite normal and quite good numbers. So I got eight eggs, mm-hmm. five fertilised, only four made it to day five, um, blast assist, and then they transferred one at that five-day mark and I was very lucky that I got I got pregnant first go. Yay. <laughs> so, so you've still got um, um, some potential siblings in the freezer if you decide to, to go down that route. There's none left. Um, yeah, I went I went back for round two January last year. Yeah. And when I went in for that embryo transfer, um, then when I went in for the transfer, she said, unfortunately, one of them died in the thawing process. Oh. So it was kind of like a, a double whammy. So one died in the thawing process and then you go through and you do the transfer and then you wait two weeks and then found out that that wasn't successful. So there, there was another two and then I tried in December and the same thing, it wasn't successful. So I'm all out of eggs oh. for the moment. Yeah. For the moment. For the moment. Um, yeah, I, I would very much like to go again. So, you know, it's just starting to, to kick up that journey again. But, you know, all the same, I have a, a, be- a beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old and she'll be three in July. So it's definitely made the, the long journey and the, um, the exhausting journey and all of the things that come with the injections and everything, def- definitely worth it. So how did you find pregnancy once you were obviously successful with the first one, which is a great, great story? It's, um, it's quite funny because everyone says you kind of forget about the whole thing and you want to go back again because of how amazing your kids are. But it wasn't the best pregnancy. Um, I was in the ED at nine weeks. Oh. Um, nothing really ever came of it. They said that there was a tear in the uterus. It had nothing to do with the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, I was up there for lower fetal movements a few times and then... I worked right up until the last day. I actually had to um, call in sick to go and have a baby. (laughs) I was was supposed to go to a ball at the Versace. I'd had my hair and makeup booked and, 
you know, woke up in the morning and had a massive pain across my stomach and hadn't felt her move for quite some time. So I called them up, they said, off you come. And then because it was the third time that I'd reported for lower fetal movements, they said, okay, well, you're already 38 weeks. We're going to induce you right now. So yeah. And I don't know how much you want me to go into detail about the birth, but it was, it was very horrific um it was it was a two-day process and sort of at the last minute whipped into to to go for a forcep removal and at the same time the epidural dropped out so needless to say I felt everything painful (laughs) yeah felt everything and um after after she was born wasn't able to deliver the placenta so had to whisk her out of the room give me a spinal tap and then surgically remove that as well I've never heard of that. Wow. So it was probably like a good two hours that I actually got to, you know, really hold her in my arms. But, you know, again, totally worth it. In my head, I'm kind of imagining what if it happened a few hours later and you had your beautiful hair and makeup before all this. Yeah, imagine if I was at the ball and I was whipped. I would have made for good photos, you know, holding my beautiful baby in a full face of makeup. But no um you know I go back and look at look at the photos of that last week and I was presenting at an exhibition on the Wednesday up in Brisbane and I was hosting clients in the hotel I was working on the Monday and I'm just like really on the same week that I gave birth I was doing all of this it's just like crazy I guess you had no reason to think that you'd be delivering at 38 weeks did you no no and um I was I was actually booked in for induction at 40 weeks because they say that they don't like IVF babies to go past their due dates because they don't understand the timeline of the placenta. So I kind of already knew I was going to be induced. So they said, mm-hmm. well, you know, why, why wait two weeks, 38 weeks is kind of full term anyway. Yeah. And did anything come as a result that if you are lucky enough to get pregnant again, you have to worry about based on what you went through or it just was one of those things? No, they said it was one of those things. I know they, they had all the doctors coming in talking to me uh, like the next day and they're like, well, you know, what happened? Why did it go wrong? They said there's no rhyme or reason. The epidural shouldn't have dropped out, you know, but, you know, many babies go in for a forcep removal. I mean, that component's quite normal, but they mm-hmm. couldn't justify why the epidural had fallen out. Well, hasn't put you off though, because now you've got your beautiful little girl. And... Exactly. I mean, I certainly don't want to have that kind of birth experience again, but, you know, if you look at it, that was 48 hours of my life. Yeah. I can go through, I'll go through that pain to get, you know, a beautiful another baby if, if possible as well. And so how did you find the first few weeks when you were at home with her? Were you by yourself? Did you have good support? How did that happen? I was, I was by myself. Um, you know, I had a few people drop in and sort of bring food and things like that. But, you know, sort of the overnights and things like that were, were quite difficult. The sleep deprivation is, is real. The worrying about them while they're asleep. Are you still breathing? Yeah. Yep. It's just like the, you know, it, it's exactly, yeah. It's the, the struggle is real. And I think when people talk about sleep deprivation, like until you actually have a child and you go through it, the sleep deprivation is totally other level. Yeah. It's, you, you can't even describe it. So yeah. When, when they say sleep, when the baby sleeps, you, you should sleep. <laughs> And looking back now, is there anything you think you'd do differently if you were to have that time over again? So anyone listening who's about, who is pregnant or is considering it for this yeah. one? 
I mean, I'm in a different spot in my life, you know, work-wise and money-wise and things like that. If you can afford support, mm-hmm. get support. Get a night nanny in, get somebody to come and, you know, help you clean up around the house. Just those bare basics. You know, if, if I was to go again, I would 100% get a night nanny. I would 100%, you know, have a cleaner. Yeah. You know, just all of those things to just kind of allow you to be present with the baby, focus on you, have those showers, have those sleeps, get a meal service in, you know, all of those things to make it easy. So, you know, if, if money isn't an option, I just get the support. Yeah. Brilliant. And so what did you go through in terms of donor selection and that part of the journey? Yeah. So it wasn't as many as I thought there would be. Yeah. I thought there was going to be this Everyone whole... says that. It's like, I've seen the movies. There's meant to be books of people. I know. I thought it was going to be an endless supply, get all the girls around and have a donor party and pick the donor, and it wasn't. Um, so you get access to the Australian program and you get access to the American program, and the American program had a lot more options, but it was triple the price. And I you know, had in my head that if I'm going to have to go through rounds and rounds of IVF, I don't want to be paying three times the cost for the amp of sperm, so to speak. Yeah. So it's just like if I can find an Australian donor that fits the bill and my criteria was health, it had mm-hmm. to be clean bill of health and that was my number one pick. Um, and, you know, I found one that resonated with me, you know, the profile had his parents had had a similar career to what I'd had. Mm-hmm. He was a similar age. You know, the, the, the profile just spoke to me. So I, um, it was the last one. So at that time I was just like, I'm going to sleep on it. If I come back in the morning and it's still there, then that's the one for me. And that's how I picked it. Yeah. And does that give you access to more if you want to go again? No. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. And probably one thing that I hadn't thought of, you know, if you buy, you know, an amp that has a few other options, whereas I was kind of like, well, no, that's, you know, that's that's the one for me and kind of didn't really think that I would need any more, I guess, mm-hmm. at that point because I was just like, I'm just going to go into it. And I think I went into it, really didn't have any high expectations. And the, expect cha- the expectation changes from now like going in to do a cycle because I'd got pregnant on the first go. Yeah. I think then it was just like I had no expectations because I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know how it was going to go. And I thought I would have to go through rounds and rounds because, you know, it's it's not common to get pregnant first go. So I think I was it, I hadn't thought of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, because I took the last amp, it that that's that's it. That exhaustion, that, that allocation is exhausted. But now that I'm in it, I always said it would be a nice to have. It wasn't a deal breaker for me. And my brothers and sisters, we have different fathers and it has not made one eye of a difference. They are my brother and sister. We've grown up together. We are family. And I don't see them any different from my other siblings when we have the same fa- same mother and father. So I feel like it's not going to, to be you know, an issue, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I am successful and a different donor, I mean, they're, they're my children at the end of the day. Yeah. And so do you think that that's the next step for you is to potentially go through another round of IVF with a different yeah, donor? That, yeah, that, that is the next step. And, um, you know, I've started the discussions already and I sort of said to, to the fertility specialist, it's the last time that I'm going to go through an egg pickup. I'm not going to do it again. 
So anything you want to change now or any extra drugs you want to give me now, now is the time. And is that based on the, the mental or the physical or why have you just, or financial? Yeah, I think it's financial um, because now that I've got my daughter, I kind of feel like if I go and keep on spending all this money and not getting the results, like that's taking away from the life that I can provide for her. Yeah. And also I guess the, the mental impact as well. Um, you go through that two-week wait every single time and the drugs that they put you on give you the symptoms of being pregnant. So each time I felt like I was pregnant and it's really disheartening when you take that test and that blood test two weeks later and you're not. Mm. And everyone's like, does it feel different? Does it feel the same? Every time, the two times I did it, it felt exactly the same as when I got pregnant the first time. So you're probably like, like really hopeful going, yeah, it's, it's worked because I feel the same. Yeah. yeah, you feel the same. You know, just like that's how I felt. So I, I just don't think physically and mentally I could go through it time and time again forever. Yeah. I think there's a, like you put a deadline on it and I said this year, I get to the end of the year and, you know, I haven't, then that, that's it. I, you know, I'm just going to be a, a one-child family and, you know, who knows, I might meet a guy that's already got kids and we can build a family and have a blended family. You know, I'm not opposed to that as well. But, yeah, that's just something that I, I won't continue to do past this year. Yeah, I think I was very much the same. I had a deadline on it and I'll only do two rounds because I knew that the mental toll that I'd been through years ago, I just couldn't do that to myself again. Couldn't go get sucked into the vortex. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And do you think there's some things you can put in place for next time that will support you better mentally, knowing what you know now and how you kind of coped last time? As in if I got pregnant? I'm just going through the journey and going through IVF and the things again. Really. <laughs> think understanding the process a little bit more because yeah. you know last time that I was literally always asking questions like every time I'd go in for a, a blood test or something I'd be like so what's this for what's this for I think just knowing the process mm-hmm. and you know knowing that if you only get eight eggs that that's really good you know whereas before I'm like oh I thought I'd get 30 you know you just have different expectations and different views on it and one thing that um always like I I know that well obviously I made the right decision but when I first when I went for my first scan during the two weeks of injections I had really low follicle count Mm -hmm. and they said maybe we should have started you on a higher dosage so when I go again in a couple of months they're going to put me on the higher dosage but I was posed with the decision of whether to cancel the cycle and lose about $900 and to start again with a higher dosage and I was so far invested in it and I didn't know anything. And I said, it only takes one, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, no, we're, we're going. We're yeah. going and we're going to do it. And I will just, whatever happens, I'll roll the dice. And I'm so thankful that I did because I got my daughter. Whereas I think, you know, it's sort of hard when you're in that situation not to know what the right decision is. And I think, you know, that person would need to decide for themselves. But, you know, my word of advice is if you feel that, you know, you're so far invested in it, just go for it. Yeah. I mean, you could get as lucky then as in as lucky as upping the dose next time. I mean, the next time I'm going to go to the top dose to start with, but it obviously did not make a difference last time. It's there's so many variables in it. You know, there's the egg quality, there's the transfer, there's everything, and technology's even improved more since I did it. That mm. I that's even more why I was convinced that the last two times it would have taken, but. Yeah, I think, you know, when you pose with a question, do you cancel cycle and start again? You you don't always need to. Yeah. Because I, I was lucky and I didn't cancel when I went went forward with it. 
that is amazing when you look back now. It's like, how do people get pregnant accidentally? <laughs> when we know I know. Like, how does that really happen? I know. Or I've got friends like, oh, you know, we'll just leave it up to the gods if, you know, if I get pregnant. And they're like, next minute they're like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, how does that happen? How do you just get pregnant straight away without even trying? So life now, you've got an almost three-year-old. How are you finding that by yourself? Is there anything that you wish you could do differently or things like tips that you've learned along the way that have just made it a lot easier or anything like that? Um, I think I've created a life that's flexible for us. So, and that's only been in the last year. So I started my own business and that's taken off. Um, I run a virtual assistant agency and that allows me the flexibility to do what I need to for her. So, you know, if daycare calls and I need to go and pick her up or if I just decide I've had enough for the day and I want to go pick her up, I yeah. can do that. Um, and that's what I love and the flexibility that I've created. So, and it's just the life that we have now is so different than the life that we had where, you know, I'd be dropping her off at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, I'd be driving all the way to work and you know, she'd come home, she'd be tired, I'd be tired. And we didn't really get to spend that quality time with each other. Whereas we we do get that, you know, a little bit more and then making more money within my business. I've got that opportunity to, you know, jump on a plane and go and visit family down in Melbourne, or we're going to Cairns with a friend in, in you know, next month. So having that flexibility and that freedom to earn what I want to earn, you know, I can provide the life that, that I can for her, which is, yeah. which is so important for me as well. Oh, very brave of you to start your own business yeah. I love the concept but definitely don't have the bravery for that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I did both for for a week and just found it too 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 much of a juggle so I just I just jumped obviously just the best thing that paid off and best thing that I ever did yeah. and have you started having conversations with her now about the fact that she's Johnny conceived or it's, it's kind of hard um, I think at this age, um, I think she knows that there's just the two of us mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't sort of ask like why that person has a dad and why she doesn't. She did start, I think it was probably like a year or a year and a half ago, kind of saying the word daddy and kind of like looking at me puzzled and I kind of, you know, tried to explain it. But I just think at that age, they're, they're too young. But, um, you know, if she asked, you know, I would just tell her it's, a, you know, how it is and I want her just to grow up with, it's a, just a matter of fact. That's yeah. just just how life is and every family is different and every family is as it is. And, um, you know, we have in my brother-in-law's family, there's also um, someone in his family that, that did the same thing and um, her daughter, I think she's nine now and mm-hmm. she's just grown up with just the matter of fact and it hasn't affected hasn't affected her or anything like that. And I think that's what I want for, for my daughter as well. That's just a matter of fact. It's like when we were kids, our parents were divorced and we had two houses and it was just how life was. So, you know, I don't want to kind of harp on it or make, you know, her feel like she's any different to anyone else. Yeah. And have you got quite a good community around you now? You obviously got someone else with a donor conceived child, which is great. Do you have many other families like that around? Um, yeah, in the, in the mother's group that I joined, um, which was a, through a friend of a friend, um, there was actually three of us that oh, were wow. mothers by choice. So it was kind of nice that we could kind of have that connection and, you know, we're all back at work now and things like that, but sometimes we see each other at, at um, you know, parties and things like that. So that's kind of always nice because then we can 
we can relate and we can be like, oh, you know, how's your three-year-old going, you know, two, three-year-olds. So yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite nice. And there's quite a few support groups on Facebook as well. And, you know, everyone kind of, you know, sharing their experiences and there's even people that are on there that are, are, you know, going down the journey as well. So it's nice that we can kind of reach out and help them. Yeah. And have you got lots of family around to help in general, or are you pretty much just the two of you? No, I'm, I'm really lucky now, right? She was due in July. I think it was about April that uh, my mum and my stepdad, he got reposted up here into to Brisbane for work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got sent up to head up the Brisbane office and that was just a blessing in disguise because they love spending time with her. It gives me the freedom. I've got a lot of friends in Brisbane. So if anyone ever has a birthday, we just go and stay there and I can go out with the girls and just kind of have that balance. But they love having her there and she's always asking about them. And then, you know, a couple of times during the week we FaceTime them. So she loves that. I've got my dad quite close as well. My grandparents are on the Sunshine Coast and they love it when we visit. So it was definitely a blessing in disguise. I think it's definitely made being a parent easier having my folks close by mm-hmm. um to you know to be able to have that freedom to kind of go out and just kind of be me but I think it's just great that she can have a relationship with them that's yes. you know really what's amazing I mean we've got um the rest of my family is in Melbourne so we, we get to go down there quite a bit so which is nice because she has a relationship when we're not in lockdown <laughs> When we're not in lockdown, we miss out on a lot of firsts and, you know, a few things like that. But my older brother is in living in L.A. and he has never met her. Mm. So hopefully soon. And it, also his second daughter is a year, uh, sorry, a month younger than my daughter. Um, so I haven't met her yet either. So hopefully this year either we'll go there or they'll come here and finally they can meet. It's so hard, isn't it? Just the little things we take for granted that... Yeah, who would ever think that uncle yeah. would have met and left um, and his niece? Aww. Yeah, crazy. So I guess anyone else considering this journey, what advice would you give them? I think a lot of people that I hear talk about it, but they just don't seem to have the courage to do it. But if it's something that you really want, I mean, if you surround yourself with the right people, it can be rewarding and people are like, oh, I just don't think I could do it on my own. Well, you know, why not? If you go out there and you can do anything else in the world, why can't you go and do that? And I think, you know, we're so far from that traditional family set up now mm. with, you know, some people having two mums and people having two, two dads. I mean, I don't, I didn't ever have any worry about how I was perceived in society that never even crossed my mind. And I know it does with some people, um, but never crossed my mind don't have an issue with it haven't had any issues with it sometimes have you had any negativity or anything weird from anyone no not really I just find like some people if they connect with me on socials that maybe like I knew them from they're like they always like oh is the dad still in the picture and I'm like if it's everyone's go-to question I really hate that question yeah it was just like but also like I don't know you and I haven't seen you for five years. So it's not, you know, it's actually none of your business. So, you know, sometimes I'm like, why are you even asking? But then, you know, people just always assume that, you know, he's left or something like that. That's, that's kind of really the only perception that I don't like around it. Um, But no, not really any negativity. A lot of people like, oh my God, like you're my hero. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people are envious that, they're like you've actually had the guts to go and do it so it's kind of like you know what you said you know 
going and jumping and just, you know, giving it all with your business, kind of the same thing. It's just like, you just got to go into it, but you know, it takes a village to raise a kid. And as long as you've got good friends and family, you're not always having to do it everything on your own. So, you know, it's definitely, I think they should, you know, even if they're just unsure of where they're, they're at in their fertility journey, it doesn't hurt to go and speak to somebody, get an idea of where you're at, to then make decisions. Because if you do wait too late, you might have been in the situation that I was in where they're like, you might never be able to conceive, which is what they told me. So you want to know that information to make a decision because that could actually sway you one way or another, knowing that information. The amount of women that I talk to that once they decide to go on this journey and go off the pill, which they've been on forever and suddenly learn that they've had endometriosis and haven't known about it their whole life and then it's kind of the start of their fertility journey is actually getting endometriosis removed <laughs> that they didn't yes. even know existed yeah. and yeah. The things and it's like if you just stayed on the pill for how long it's just masking so much of it it's just oh, so weird isn't it it is well I think is there anything else that you would like anyone else to be aware of that's listening to it you've obviously mm-hmm. been through a bit of a journey to conceive your beautiful daughter had a very eventful pregnancy and delivery. I still wish you had her yeah. makeup done though. That would have been so fabulous. <laughs> and then overall, like just sounds like a beautiful life that you've you've built for the two yeah. of you. Yeah, with that really creating like that flexibility with work just sounds amazing. I'm very jealous of that. I just I don't have the balls to do that part. Maybe one day, but definitely. everybody could do it, you know. I do have a coaching program as well. So, you know, not only do I run the virtual assistant business, I also have a, a coaching business as well. And most of the people that come through the coaching business is our mothers, you know, that want to create that flexible life as well. So, I mean, if I can do it in less than a, a year, then totally you could do it as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know there's going to be a lot of parts of that that resonate with a lot of people listening and hopefully it helps someone else have the courage to embark on this journey as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review, or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.